Everybody, JJ Cooper, Carlos Colazo here in another Baseball America playoff podcast presented by my bookie. We are sitting here in the aftermath of the busiest playoff day that baseball has ever seen. If you tell me that you were locked in on every pitch of every game of, of yesterday, I one I will tell you. You are a true diehard fan. I, I tip my cap, but at the same time, I also say, no, there's no way. And the reason there was no way is that there was a time there where I was trying to keep track of four screens. And if you could do so, you are a way better person than I am because <laughs> I, I kept having to focus on one and bounce around. I, I, you know, yeah. There's no you're other giving, way to do it. You're giving the fans who claim that too much credit, JJ. I think I would simply call them a liar. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm very kind when I say these things. You, know, <laughs> you try to. Are. Yeah, oh, but it but was fun. It was, was fun, fun in a weird way. It was fun because there were plenty of good games, and with with eight playoff games, I guess you would kind of assume that that would be the case. But also, I feel like there's a uh, a sense of just being overwhelmed, uh, just because absolutely of the number of games going on. So, you, so as a fan of the game, you want to be tuned into all these games, and you want to be kind of seeing the key moments for all these games. But it just isn't that possible. So you just kind of have to lock into the games that are tighter uh, or the games that are kind of near the end and focus on the early games a little bit later, but we just jump into it. I mean, we had a couple of really good ones and then the first game of the day was probably the longest game of the day. And the best, I would say. I, I, I think so. Unless you're I, a fan of either team. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're a fan of your team, it may have been a little bit too much for you, but if you just were a fan, I, it, I don't know how there were people who pushed back when I said, you know, what a great five, almost five hours that was, which again, mm-hmm. I let me make something clear. I don't clear, mind talking about Braves Reds now. Yes. I don't mind five hour games. If you said it's a one, nothing 13 inning game that took almost five hours. No complaints here at all. It's when mm-hmm. you say it was a, you know, whatever to whatever nine inning game that took five hours. That's when I raised my hand and say, we, we got to get the pace of play sped up a little <laughs> bit here. That yeah. game was not a problem of pace of play. That was, that was two aces. And I would say in every definition of the, the term, I would say that you could argue right now that Trevor Bauer, who has made that jump, I don't think Trevor Bauer has ever been a number one in his career. He had a one season that you could make, but I think that you could argue that right now Trevor Bauer is a number one starter. And you had Max Fried, who kind of came into the season – expected to be the Braves number two starter but Mm. with the Mike Soroka injury credit to him has utterly ascended into also a number one role um the only argument you could make against this I'm hearing uh some scouts I know in my head saying you know yeah you didn't get a chance to do it over 30 you know 30 plus starts 150 plus Mm -hmm. innings and there's a truth to that I'll, I'll give that but you had the two of them going out there and and Carlos I mean doing what they what both of those teams hoped that they would do yeah definitely I mean both these guys had excellent regular seasons on the mound kind of being that ace for their team Max Reed would have been a a great compliment to to Mike Troker if he was healthy for the Braves but I mean it was kind of more of the same for them I was curious to see how the the Braves offense would kind of match up with Bauer who's one of the favorites for the NL Cy Young Award this year Um, and I, I guess the uh the cliche held true that good pitch, good pitching beats good hitting 7.2 innings, 
12 strikeouts, two hits. I think he had nine whiffs on his slider. That was really his kind of go-to secondary offering. And he was really just confusing Braves hitters all day. I think there was maybe one one really hard hit ball from Ronald Acuna late in that outing, but he was just dominant. Um, I don't think you can ask any more of what he did in terms of taking the ball deep uh, and racking up that many whiffs. On the other side, Max Reed, he wasn't quite as dominant, but seven shutout innings with five strikeouts and no walks from a pitcher who's making his first appearance in the playoffs, his first start in the playoffs. I mean, I don't think you can ask any more of that. So on both sides, you really get what you wanted from your starting pitchers. And then really the bullpens were impressive as well. It's really just very impressive. A matter of when was, when was the run finally going to come across? And I think it was a good moment for Freddie Freeman, who uh, we talk about a lot of awards in this game. He's one of the favorites to be the NL MVP. Him coming through with his walk-off in the bottom of the 13th, just slapping a single into the right up the middle. I mean, that's the guy that Braves fans want up now. The top of the lineup is pretty good. Um, but I think if you had to choose between Acuna, Freeman, or Marcelo Zuna, most most Braves fans would feel confident having Freddie Freeman go up there with, with a game on the line like this. Well, so. well especially – at the point in the game where you're saying right there, you're not saying you need a homer. You're Mm -hmm. saying you need a ball hit, you know, (laughs) you need a ball in the outfield and make contact. Do not strike out. That's what Freddie Friedman is outstanding at. And he came through. And if you're, if, if you're a Reds fan, if you're the Reds, you have to shake your head because the opportunities were there in the extra I mean, Darren O'Day was, was poor. I don't think there's another way to put it in a game in a game where basically the Braves bullpen depth that they didn't have until the trade deadline last year, but they actually even expanded on this year mm-hmm. really was paying off. Tyler Madison came in in a, uh, uh, a pretty uh, difficult situation um, and you know, they got out of it and, and the fact that Tyler Madison's doing that, I, I, Again, we at Baseball America, we root for players. That's not a, probably a shock. And Tyler Matzik's a guy, you know, first-round pick who really came out as a pro and was overwhelmed in some ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he battled ineffectiveness. He battled control problems. At one point, the Rockies sent him back to his, uh, you know, high school, you know, personal pitching coach, see if they could fix him. That didn't really seem to, to do enough, and uh, there was a stretch there where Tyler Matzik was out of the game. Then there was a stretch where he was trying to come back, and he was with the Texas Air Hogs of the American <laughs> Association. And here you are just a couple of years after that, a couple of years after he's out of baseball, a couple of years after he's in indie ball just hoping to get another shot, and he's handed the ball in the most important game of the, uh, uh, of the season so far for the Braves. Mm-hmm. and. He he made it work. I, I I love seeing stories like that. And yeah, four strikeouts around two hits in one point one innings. I mean, the Braves bullpen as a whole through six innings struck out eleven batters and walked three. So that's pretty good. I mean, we we know the Braves bullpen is is a strength of this team heading into this, and they pitched to that today. So it, it is it is cool though seeing a guy who has a story like Matzik succeeding in the playoffs. It just it's always nice. It's, it's, it's very wholesome, and it just makes you feel good well, about baseball. 
The other thing I'll say, though, when you talk about, again, it's a three-game series. Winning game one in the three-game series for anyone is vitally important because yeah. now you just need to win one rather than two. You can go 500 now and win the series. Mm-hmm. But when I look at these two teams, the Braves getting that game one win with Max Fried on the mound is probably, for them, more important than the Reds getting that win with Trevor Bauer on the mound. The Reds have uh, a rotation where Trevor Bauer is their ace, but in a three-game series, they're going to put really good starting pitchers on the mound in all three games. They feel very confident about that. The Braves have an ace. Then they have Ian Anderson, who's been great, but at the same time is also less than 10 major league starts on his resume. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to have probably Kyle Wright, who was basically knocked out of the rotation a month and a half ago. Um, you know, he just basically the last three starts of his – season are, are the are the bright spot that you're kind of counting on here so it, it the, the Braves needed if they're going to advance out of this series they needed a little bit more wiggle room after game one mm-hmm. and getting they, they got it uh, again just a great game just everything that you could hope for in the 12 o'clock game uh, it's funny we don't you, know, you don't hear any flip side like everyone wants to complain about how there's night games you know during the playoffs but we had the cavalcade of day games yesterday and no one talks about how, you know, that that's, you know, no one, no one gives credit for the fact that that was going to give, you know, a, a generation of uh, kids a chance to watch uh, playoff baseball, which it, there was more playoff baseball than kids could watch, although they're in school. That's why there's a problem with day baseball too. Well, um, hopefully a lot of them were doing virtual school and could just, you know, not really pay attention. Watch some, watch my, my kids were, but I, I couldn't <laughs> talk them into watching, uh, you know, uh, baseball. I, I try. Before we go to our next game, Stay tuned for the quick message here. It's fall, and at MyBookie, that can mean only one thing. It's winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contest, survivor, and more. At MyBookie, winning season is all about your chance to win big. You can bet the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, USC, NFL, and then some. The craziest sports fall of your lifetime is here. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Invest in your intuition. Select from hundreds of future bets where you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Use promo code BASEBALLAMERICA and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands across sports wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. The, the Astros beat the Twins 3-1, to finished that series, and then... Not long thereafter, the uh, well, not a little while after that, uh, the uh, the Rays finished off the Blue Jays eight to two. the The more compelling of those two games by far was Astros Twins. That was a compelling series. Mm-hmm. The Astros won both games of it, um, and and I think the story of that series for both games is twice in two games the Twins had a first inning where they could have really blown the game open. Bases loaded, two outs. Twice in two games, they came out of a bases loaded situation in the first inning with no runs. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'll throw it to you just to ask the question. Like, I mean, is that just you know, it's it's eighteen <laughs> it's eighteen losses now. Yeah, I was row. about to say when you're talking about the team that has eighteen straight playoff losses, I think anything happening is on the table. It, it is kind of depressing because just imagine a team losing 18 straight 
in the regular season, what would get written about them? What would the players talk it would about? Be- the fact that it's happened 18 straight in the – like I don't even know what the odds of that would be. Even if you – Astronomical. It's insane. There's clearly some sort of some sort of little mini curse or some sort of mental thing going on. I'm sure the players are thinking about it every time at this point. It's hard for them not to. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, they, they had opportunities early, didn't capitalize, and really the bats never looked threatening the rest of the way in both of these games for the most part. Um, the Twins are obviously one of the better teams in baseball, and I think – I don't know how much you want to talk about format, but I think this is kind of – this is the best example we're going to have of why we shouldn't have 16 teams in a normal season. I'm fine with it this year, obviously. It's 2020. Things are weird. I get it. But I don't think it's a good look for baseball to have a sub-500 team beating one of the better teams over the course of the regular season in two games to advance. And we can talk about the Astros for a long time, but I think it makes it even cringier that it's this Astros team that is the team who's doing that because surely everyone in baseball is rooting against them outside of their own fans. And the fact that they only got into the playoffs – because it's basically a participation trophy this year, uh, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna make a lot of people hate them even more. And I think, to be honest, some comments after the game from guys like Carlos Correa aren't doing them any favors. It's like this team, you just need to be quiet. <laughs> I, I will push back on that. When you say not doing any favors, I think it's more of you know, you, it's kind of recognizing the reality of it. And embracing it, which is, there are, I actually enjoy the fact if you're the Astros, wear the black hat at this point. Like, sure. But I mean, this is a team that has put out a lot of tone deaf statements lately and just their tweet after the game. I mean, if, if, if I'm in this position, I just want my team to shut up and keep winning because you're going to keep pulling for them, but just don't. Just don't draw attention. I, I follow what you're saying there. I, I do follow. I don't understand it. The Astros tweet after this game: "Stay mad, we'll stay winning." <laughs> and I don't have Correa's quote. His quote is, I mean, his was probably the worst quote of the two. I'll try and pull that up really quick, but I might be overreacting here. I just don't think it's a great look for you if you're the Astros. You know, uh, I know. Hold on, I know a lot of people are mad. Yes, yes. They what are. are they going to say now? Something like that? I know a lot of people don't want to see us here, but what are they going to say now? Yeah, see, this is the thing. Like, when you only have to win two games in a playoff series, it really is me- almost meaningless. But, so You have to give them credit for winning, though. I do give them credit for winning. And, they look and, and better two things, And two things with this that stood out to me. One, the Bomba squad did not hit a homer, and in two games – had two doubles, both by Nelson Cruz. That's your only extra base hits. That's not uh, – again, the Twins, line, the Twins offense was not as good in 2020 as it was in 2019. Their pitching was much better. Um, starting pitching was much better. But I, I, I kind of wonder if that's a Twins team that's going to be a little bit kind of reconfigured. They still have a young core. They still have uh, uh, the, everything there to be the team – you know, a team to – to win the uh, central in 2021 as well. But, Mm -hmm. but I, the offense just did not click in Mm -hmm. the, uh, in the two games of the playoffs. And the other thing that I will say with that, the Astros have been, you know, they are in addition to everything that you just talked about, they also have been Mr. Unconventional. Mm -hmm. And one thing that, that stands out to me 
that happened in this series is essentially they used the tandem starter system that they used in the minors effectively mm-hmm. in this series. In game one, it was Zach Greinke handing it over to Framber Valdez, and essentially they went to dual starter in that game to eat most of the, you know, pretty much almost all the innings. They, Framber Valdez handed it off very late. Mm-hmm. In this game, they did something that they also do very regularly in the minors for their players when they're developing pitchers, which is Jose Arquiti went 4.1. They handed it over to Brooks Raley, which, you know, that was the situation where I kind of felt like Minnesota had it shot because they did get right-handers against Raley mm-hmm. because of the new rules of, you know, the postseason. I mean, not the postseason of 2020 where you, mm-hmm. you, know, you can't bring a lefty in and have them face one batter. Yeah. But, but then they hand it over to Christian Javier, and Christian Javier goes very effectively three for three innings, and it's like, okay, now we hand it over to the closer, Ryan Presley, to finish it out. Yep. Christian Javier, Jose Urquidy, and Framber Valdez. I'm not saying it about Zach Reinke, who started game one. He's just started game one, though. All of those guys have been doing that all the way through their minor league development, and I do think that that stands out. I think that's that is a good something point. where – them doing that in the minors actually really is beneficial. We, we talk about, you know, throwing, you know, massive pens at the playoffs. Well, another way you can do it, especially in a short series, it's going to be a little different when we get to the best of five and the best of seven. But in a short series, you can, instead of saying we're going to throw seven relievers at you, you can say we're going to throw two starters at you. And by the way, we're often going to try to make those two starters kind of be the yin and yang. Mm-hmm. And, that was effective for him. So yep. I, when you say trends that may develop, I'm, I'm interested to see if that's one that we will see a little bit more of in the future. No, nope, that's a good call. I, the, the Rays just, uh, that game was uh, over kind of almost yep. before Hunter you gives up a grand slam to Hunter Renfro. And after that with Tyler Glasnow, that was effectively it. I, my only thing I, I tweeted this yesterday, it struck about that is, is, Rays were clearly the better team than Toronto right now. Nate Pearson, yeah. by the way, impressive outing. But the other thing is, is I feel like with the Blue Jays, this is like, okay, step one complete. We made the playoffs. We now know what it's like to be in the playoffs. Now the next step is, is to be better next year because yes. with this young core, they should yeah. be back. To not just be a token playoff team because let's be honest, they're not, they don't get into the playoffs in a normal year, but yes, I do think it is important that a lot of these young guys got to experience it and see that environment, but I have to give all the credit to the Rays here. I mean, they were the overwhelming favorites on paper. And I think this is the series that has gone pretty much. This is the only series to this point that's gone basically exactly as you would have expected. I mean, this is such a deep team. Uh, They have so many bats they can throw at you. They can order their righties and lefties in any order, depending on the pitching matchup. They can do the exact opposite in the bullpen. They have really good starting pitchers. There's no weakness to be found here. And I feel like this is kind of what we've been saying with the Rays for the past several years. They just do an excellent job. And I think, I mean, the Hunter Renfro homer has to make them feel good because that trade, probably looking back at it, it's not great. Uh, But he has always been a guy who hits lefties really well. And if he's going to hit lefties with impact in the playoffs – I mean, you can basically take that as a win because you need him to do that in the postseason. The thing that stood out to me about that also is, as he said, Hunter Renfro didn't have a great season, but he came mm-hmm. up yesterday. Manuel Margot hasn't been great for them, but he came mm-hmm. up during this postseason, you know, this yes. series. You know, Randy Rosarena, who was also acquired in the offseason, they have this completely reworked outfield mm-hmm. that 
also doesn't include Austin Meadows, who we expected to be a big part of it, but he's had injury problems this year, which has been a, a problem for Austin Meadows for, for much of his career. But they completely reworked it, and it came up very big for them. All three of those guys had big moments in this, uh, in this first round of the playoffs. And they move on, and they're a team that looks very dangerous. Um, and not only that, but again, you win two games in this, you will be fully reset, fully ready to go for, uh, for the second round. Um, Chris Bassett pitches outstandingly uh, for, the a- for the A's. Dallas Keuchel gets roughed up, and so we go to game three in, mm. uh, in White Sox A's. I-, I think the big thing that, that was much gnashing of teeth in, uh, in A's land after that game, though, was Liam Hendricks going uh, one and two-third, 49 pitches, and, and kind of the, the question of why was he kind of called on to pitch the eighth in that situation. It didn't necessarily – work out all that well after the game mm-hmm. there was talk that you know that he will be going you know be available in game three I don't know necessarily if that's a good thing coming off of 49 pitches and one and two-thirds innings I mean like yeah, technically anyone's available in an elimination game I get it but you know there is the question of effectiveness and there's also the question of okay you, you hope to win this game and then you hope to keep playing for quite a while longer in October mm-hmm. well if you thrash out, you know, one of your best pitchers in the first round, that may uh, make it a little difficult to have him be effective down the road. But, yeah. you know, that that game, you know, is that that series is remains uh, very interesting. Yeah, I think this is the must watch game. I mean, I don't think that we have any guaranteed elimination games outside of this one. Obviously, they all could. end, but this is our game three at 310 today. If you're listening today, which I hope you are. Um, but yeah, that's going to be a fun one. I mean, the White Sox lineup is really fun. Tim Anderson just continuing to be one of the best pure hitters in the game is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think all the, although Nick Madrigal didn't have a great game defensively, which is a little surprising to me. He continues. Yeah, he made a nice couple plays too, in addition to yeah, that I think, horrible I think so, mistake. Yeah, the one error with the bases loaded, I think really kind of bit them. Um, and he had a couple errors in that game. But he's a guy who he hit for a really high average without a lot of power got on base throughout the regular season and he's kind of continued to do that. So he's, he's definitely a, a name that I circle in the lineup and just get excited when I see him uh, in addition to Robert and a lot of the other guys that we're talking about in this lineup. Robert. Yeah. Robert. I'm just so used to, <laughs> it's so weird to me that it's Robert. But, um, and then uh, we also, our other day games, we had uh, the Marlins uh, basically get on uh, feast on Kyle Hendricks in the uh, in the seventh, you know, for for everything that we talk about, I, I know that we, you know, that there's oh, you know, we want guys to go longer. We want guys, you know, why is it that everyone gets pulled? Uh, Cal Hendricks is one of the best pitchers in the Cubs. The Cubs have they don't have a great bullpen, but mm. you know, but the reality of it is, is that that third time through the order is is more difficult. He faced uh, 28 batters, and it was the last few that were the ones that kind of got to him. Um, but I also, you know, Starling Marte hit on the hand, breaks mm-hmm. his, you know, breaks a finger, which is kind of potentially. Yeah, so uh, say, do we have any kind of status on him? Do we know how available? He, he's hoping to play, him? but he's hoping to play with a broken pinky. Uh, that does make hitting a little harder. A bit difficult. Um, but Sandy Alcantara was great. And I, I just got to be honest, watching that game, I kind of felt like that this is not, I didn't feel like that that was an upset. I felt no, like that Miami is every bit at least as good as Chicago. And 
you, you got to like their chances. You know, now again, you Darvish going to the mound for Chicago. You, if, if in the National League, there are not many pitchers I would rather see, you know, have to go in game two in a must win game, but that that would be must watch too. Because yeah, I'm uh, curious if the bats in the middle of the Cubs lineup are going to wake up at any point. I mean, Rizzo, Brian Schwarber all had disappointing seasons and they didn't do much at all yesterday outside of two walks from Kyle Schwarber. So I think if that team's going to go, those bats are going to have to wake up. Right now, Ian Happ's doing a pretty good job. Jason Hayward had a good year, uh, but you really need that core of the lineup to kind of wake up and, and carry them. And, and whether or not they're going to do that is going to be interesting for me. Um, Cardinals, Padres, I. If you said, like, I feel for Twins fans, like losing 18 straight playoff games has to put you in a really bad headspace. If you said which team I feel for, I feel for the Padres because I feel like that they were legitimately, this is not a team that snuck in because of the 16-team playoffs. This is a team that's been legitimately good slash great. They're a top four team in the league just based on run differential and record. So they they definitely belong. They're definitely one of the favorites and – Obviously and, now it, it could it could all end in two games like and like, and they and they were and they've been gutted right now because of injuries because yep. they started in game one a starter who this is not a great sign for you which is in the last couple of days of the season like there you know I, I think it was a Zoom call had to be because you know that's how we you know there's no clubhouse you know work in the clubhouse but beat writers mm-hmm. were talking to Chris Paddock and he was kind of. Like, no, 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 you guys, if you think that I'm not going to be on this postseason roster, you're wrong. I'm absolutely going to be on the postseason roster, which was true. But if you have a starter who is having to reassure everyone that he will be included on a 28-man postseason roster and then flip ahead a couple of days and you're saying, hey, Chris, here's the ball for game one, not a good sign. And... I, I don't know what a good answer for them was. They, they stuck. He clearly didn't have it. They stuck with him a little longer than they probably should have, and it led to a line of two and a third, eight hits, six earned runs, zero walks, one strikeout. There's not much good there. There's not much no. that you can say positive about that. That said, their top two pitchers are hurt and are off the roster. You know, Mike Clevenger, Denison Lamette are not going to pitch in this series, and with that – I understand also you go into this going, we don't want to just turn this over to the bullpen in game one in the mm-hmm. second inning. I mean, as it stands, they use one, two, three, four, five, six, seven relievers in a game who that they fairly well. Yeah. Who kept them in the game. Who kept them in the game. I mean, the reality is, is they were in this game. Uh, they did have now, This is the point I wanted to kind of bring up is that the, the Padres offense looked threatening the entire game for my, for my mind, like eight hits, Four walks, five strikeouts, four runs, obviously. But I feel like they were constantly putting pressure on the Cardinals pitching staff. And I think this is such a deep lineup. I mean, one of the best offenses in baseball this year. So many of these players can do damage. And I do want to touch on Cronenworth here because he had a a good game with the bat, not a great game on the bases. And I think we haven't actually talked about base running at all. Oh, but we need to. Yesterday was really bad across the board really bad but I do think it's fascinating that really quick on on some of the young hitters if you do OPS I know it's only a game or two there are a lot of young hitters that are kind of leading the way here Josh Naylor Jake Grunworth Fiber Torres Corey Seager Dylan Carlson Ian Happ it's really cool to see a lot of these young hitters 
doing the damage so far in these playoffs. And Cronenworth is one of those guys, but you got to run the bases better. What was the most egregious? There were a lot of bad base running, but I, I think, the one that was the baffling one to me that was not bad base running as much as in the postseason, the the idea of we're going to try to steal, you know, second and hopefully get the run to score when they throw down. So this is Reds Braves. Reds Braves. Yeah, I, I think this is the most egregious one too, and maybe it is because of kind of the context of that game that it just stands out more, but. I would love. I don't have the numbers of how successful that play is, but I can't imagine at the major league level the, you're running a stolen base gimmick play that works in little league like half. The I was time. gonna say at the little league level, that is a that is a great play to do where we you're talking about the catcher can't league, get the ball to second. And if we got know. it half the time, we were pumped about it. And, and I just don't understand. Like, okay, so now you go I from little league to high school, and you're like at the high school <laughs> level, it's still a play that, that you play. pull out, you know, a couple of times. You get to the college level, and it's like you know. This team we're facing is kind of fundamentally unsound. They don't have a this great catcher. You're relying on a major league team to basically not be good at the most fundamental aspect of the game, which is catching and throwing the baseball. You're not going to outrun and, someone who's throwing the ball from second to home. And, and, and let's establish also, this wasn't – Aristides Aquino moves pretty well. He's a – for a slugger, he is, he's a good athlete. Yeah. That said, yeah. that wasn't Terrence Gore – that wasn't Billy Hamilton. That wasn't, you know, you, you weren't talking about someone here like, oh, no, no, no. If he just, you just give him a, 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 a yeah, you know, a, a, a slight Hamilton. opportunity, he'll still home. That said, we also had one of the fastest players in baseball, Byron Buxton, make a base running error. Oh, that one. Uh, that one talked about that. That one made me mind to me, like as much as you talk about like, that one was worse to me because this was in like an intentional decision. I don't like mm-hmm. the decision. But by the way, we also should make clear, Austin Riley, at the end of that rundown, Austin Riley, if Austin Riley is, if it's 2016, 2017 Austin Riley, he's not quick enough to make that tag. He, yeah. he dives and just misses Aristides Aquino. Mm-hmm. And Aquino basically scores there. And we were talking about, wow, I can't believe that worked. The Byron Buxton pickoff was this is your last good chance to win this game. And again, I understand completely. You want to steal second. You want to get Buxton moving all of those things. That said, you can't get picked off there. You cannot get picked off there. And if that meant that you had to glue him to the base until, you know, old, you know, fast pitch softball style, you know, with no Mm -hmm. lead, you can't get picked off there. Agreed. A hundred percent. Hopefully, I mean, there is some aspect of the base running gaps that's fun to watch, but also you don't really want to see it. I mean, this is supposed to be where the best baseball <laughs> is played. We don't want to see that really. Um, so hopefully it's a little bit better today. But it, anything else on the, the Padres Cardinals you want to look ahead to? I, I, I still think the Padres, I agree with you. I think the Padres for. could win this. I, I think what the I'm pod- crossing my fingers for. What? McKenzie Gore. He's he's. I know. I don't know what the odds are that he comes up, but we're talking about a team that is struggling to find some arms that are healthy. McKenzie Gore is. Uh, I'll give you the analogy. I Matt want Moore. to see McKenzie Gore. Matt Moore. I'm going to give you right now an example of how this can work. Matt Moore. 
again, I know that right now you think of Matt Moore and you go, there's a lot of injuries, a lot of ineffectiveness. I mean, you've got to put your back, your mind back, go back a decade. Matt Moore was the best pitching prospect in the minor leagues, minor league player of the year. And, and the reality of it is, is that the Rays were absolute, and they'd done this with David Price as a reliever, but, but Matt Moore, I, I'm looking it up, 2011, he throws three games, one start, nine innings in the, in the regular season. By the way, he's really good in those, in those nine innings. But so what do they do? They hand him the ball, and uh, you know, in, the, uh, in the ALDS, he makes two appearances, you know, but the most important one is, so game one of the, against the Rangers, seven innings, two hits, no runs, none earned, two walks, six Ks. I'm not telling you that McKenzie Gore would do that, <laughs> but I'm not telling you he couldn't do that. Yeah. If you're sitting here, if they get out of this round, I think they seriously have to, if they don't have lament and if they don't, and I don't think they're going to have Clevenger, you know, probably in the playoffs, if they don't have those guys and you're saying it's a best, you know, it's a best of five. I, you, what you have to lose is you have to add them to the 40 man and it's a crowded 40 man. But it's the playoffs. It's the postseason. That's yeah. This I, is my, I, I'm with you. This is my biggest item on the wish list for playoffs: is seeing Mackenzie Gore throw for the Padres. I think that would be outstanding. And I don't know how much not having a regular minor league season might impact this decision or what the actual odds are. But the fact that they made him available to be added to the they're thinking about roster, it. I mean, it's it's a possibility for sure. And I I would love to know what the actual odds are of that happening if they advance. Um, that they are thinking about it. I mean, yeah. at least it's, it's at least a, it's, it's at least he's encased in glass. He's hanging there, you know, by the fire alarm. And it's like, ah, if we have to, yeah. maybe we go that direction. So um, I think we need to touch on Yanks Indians and then maybe a to a lesser extent Dodgers Brewers, but the Yankees well, let's, let's wrap game. up the Dodgers Brewers real quick. Yeah. Cause that one, I give the Brewers credit. If you'd have told me, 15 minutes into that game, 20, I guess it was 20 minutes into that game. Yeah. Cause that, if you'd have told me that that would be a two run game where the Brewers would have opportunities to win that game, I would have said that you are crazy. Yep. You know, that was a game where the, the, that could have been a, okay, it's everyone can go to bed on the East coast really, you know, and not worry about it in the first inning Suter was, absolutely uncharacteristically wild. Mookie Betts was really good, as he often is. Um, but I give credit to the Brewers. I can't imagine – I could not imagine that that game would end up being a 4-2 game nope. when you were looking at the first inning or two of that game. Yeah, when you your starter goes 1.2, three hits, three end runs, five walks, you definitely think it would get a lot more out of hand than it did. So it is a credit to the Brewers for just kind of staying competitive. Um, that, that said – the Dodgers are the better team. We all know yes. that the Dodgers are the better team. And by the way, if you want to say about the Twins and the Astros series, if somehow the Brewers won this series, that would be your your premium argument of Perfect. like that would be the worst case. That'd be the worst outcome for this playoffs I, if the Dodgers lose to the Brewers. Because again, no one can say that this Brewers team, nothing against them, but they're not even in the same. They're not close to the same class. No, as Dodgers not at all. They shouldn't be. But, I mean, let's be honest. They shouldn't be playing each other in the playoffs. They're <laughs> another sub five hundred uh, team, but whatever. And, and now they're now they're basically. I mean, they have to get out of this round. To I mean, they're basically guaranteed to be a sub five hundred team playoffs 
postseason uh, record included unless they advance. Um, but I, the other great game of the day, I think we could say, was uh, New York and Cleveland back and forth, <laughs> very back and forth. Cleveland mm-hmm. jumps all over, you know, uh, all over Tanaka and the Indians, I mean, in the Yankees in the first inning mm-hmm. of that game. Then the, uh, the Yankees, I, I give utter credit to this Yankees lineup. For oh, everything I talked now. about with the they're Twins. scary now. Like, the Yankees are doing it, which is you can have a, power, a power-driven a lineup. That's, that's baseball in 2020, but you got to hit for power. And mm. the Yankees, it, 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 a two, three, four-run lead does not feel very safe against them because no. Giancarlo Stanton's healthy, and I mean, Giancarlo Stanton's healthy. No Indians, part can contain them. The Indians jumped out to a four-run lead in the first, and with this pitching staff, you would think, hey, you're feeling pretty good. But really, and, in the, the story for the Indians in these two games for me is their pitching really just did not come through the way you'd expect. Bieber did not have a great start. Uh, in, in this one, they let up 10 runs. Carrasco threw three innings. Well, the, 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 the decision was that I have yet to see – again, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitter during these games a lot. I find that I'm, I'm one of the people who actually finds Twitter enjoyable. It's not a – you know, well, I'm, it, with it's you. Not, I'm with you. You can it, but, literally cater your experience. It should be. Yes, you, that's the key thing. You got to curate your feed so that you get yeah. that. But James Karinchak coming in for Carrasco in that situation had a 100% approval rank rating among everyone on Twitter talking about it. Everyone was like, yeah, this makes perfect sense. You know, yeah. you need the strikeout here. You've got the bases loaded. Karinchak's the guy to turn to here. Yeah, this is, this makes sense. And, you know, like, okay, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to hand it, hand it over to a guy, he's a guy to hand it over. He doesn't give up home runs. He gets strikeouts. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> you know, and hey, Gio Urshela, the story of this game. I mean, offensively, game, defensively. Which hit was more impressive to you? His home run or going down like a foot below the zone? And what was it, the ninth inning, I think, to kind of keep that inning alive? That was... That pitch should never be hit like that. It was exceptional, exceptionally good feel for like going down there and putting the barrel on the ball. I was shocked when I kind of saw that because I wasn't watching this one live. I had to see it in the morning, but like that was really impressive. That was impressive. I, the other thing, again, you're talking about the little subtle things. Brad Hand, not a good day. Uh, you know, oh my gosh, when he hand when he goes to spring training next year, when they say we're going to do PFPs. Pitcher fielding practice, he needs to, you know, bear down good. there because that's the that's one of those differences in that in that game. Mm-hmm. Is he was given there were the, the DJ LeMayhu hit went right back up the middle. I want to make it clear, Greg Maddox probably makes that play. Short of that, there are not a whole lot of pitchers ever who make that play. I mean, that one would have been a tough one. But before that, he did have a ball that I would say that the average pitcher makes that play. Um, and, you know, uh, the, I guess it would have been Glaber's, you know, and, and that is where that kind of that, that, that series turned. Yep. And great game though. And again, I utter credit to the Yankees. They were great in that series, especially offensively. Yeah, they're a scary team. The Rays are a scary team. I hope those two end up matching up because they really just look like the best teams in the American League right now. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to another 
packed today of baseball. This one almost feels light in comparison. Oh, yeah, I got good news for you. That's the series. That's the ALDS series is Rays Yankees. Oh, so, there we go. Got it already. You know, the Astros will play the winner of A's White Sox. Which I mean, I think the overwhelming favorite in the American League has to come from, from the top of that bracket, right? Right. But at the same time, like, yeah, again, if, if the A's also own the Astros during the regular season, but if it goes A's-Astros in the, uh, in the uh, ALDS, I, I kind of start to think, I, I think that you may be pulling hair out of Carlos Correa quotes, uh, you know, a week from now too. Oh, man. We'll see. That'll be fun. You know, but yeah, we have, uh, we have Reds Braves today at 1208. I like those games being the noon games. Yeah. I hope the shadows are a little like, I mean, that was yeah. one thing that drove me crazy was balls hit to the outfield. It's a camera aperture issue. I get it. I understand a little bit about photography and photons and all that. That said, it was like any ball hit to the wall in the early innings of that Braves Reds games yesterday was like the outfielder disappeared into a gaping mm-hmm. void. And yeah. then you just trusted that, you know, like eventually the camera would open up, you know, would, would close the aperture enough. I should say close, close enough that you could see the outfielder and go, okay, did he catch it? Is yeah. the ball rolling around? I don't know. Uh, Marlins Cubs to a 208. Uh, then we go White Sox A's are only absolutely guaranteed loser goes home game. At 310, uh, Cardinals, Padres, 708, and Brewers, Dodgers, 1008. It, I, I'm glad it's five. I, I don't need eight again. Uh, five I mean, is. We have some really good pitchers on the mound as well. Kershaw's throwing, Adam Wainwright's throwing. We've got a really good matchup with Sixto Sanchez and you, Darvish. And then I think the Castillo Ian Anderson pitching battle is going to be a fun one as well. So it'll be fun. We're trying to get in and out on these so that we can get them to you before the next game starts. So we hope you enjoy this, uh, you know, and we, uh, we, we do thank you as always for listening to the Baseball America playoff podcast presented by my bookie. So for Carlos Galazzo, I'm JJ Cooper. So long, everybody. 